Hey, how's it going, everybody? We're back with another edition of the Ad Podcast, and we have a super exciting guest today, especially for those of you that are in the financial services marketing arena. David Buzo has a host of experience in marketing leadership roles in companies like LPL, MetLife, and Mass Mutual. And currently, he's the chief marketing officer of Independent Advisor Alliance, one of the largest networks of independent financial advisors. So I think he's going to have a lot to teach us today about marketing to the elusive FA, um, which there are many of and are a really high target, obviously, in the B2B marketing world. So super excited to get his insights. David, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Dylan, I am thrilled to be here. And I have to give a special shout out. Thank you to Neil Patel for uh, you just had him on and he was kind of my opener. So I want to give a special shout out to him for, uh, you know, he's kind of the strokes and I'm the red hot chili peppers, I think. Hey, hey, no, <laughs> no, uh, everybody's equal on the, uh, the, <laughs> no, I love it, man. So, Hey, um, first thing I wanted to just mention to the audience. So yes, uh, if you send me a hat, there is a chance I will wear it. So shout out <laughs> to the high alpha hedge fund boys. So thanks for the hat. Appreciate it. And uh, you can find my mailing address uh, on the on the interwebs if you want to send me a hat. Anyways, all right. So David, uh, let's jump into it. So uh, you know, I gave a brief bio, but you want do you want to knock out maybe some of the the highlights as you kind of climb the ladder up to CMO of Independent Advisor Alliance? Yeah. Um, so I would say the most uh, substantial role that I had to start off was being the director of marketing for the YMCA of Greater Charlotte here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And man, if you want to earn your marketing chops, go work at a nonprofit. <laughs> um, you know, limited resources, a ton of responsibility, uh, things to manage and balance and all that. Like you learn how to you know, a certified GSD, you know, just getting stuff done um, uh, with with all those limitations. But it was a fantastic experience. I loved every part of that. But um, I was ready to move on from there. And uh, in 2013, so a little bit over a decade ago, uh, joined MetLife, uh, the MetLife Premier Client Group. So I was working with financial advisors and uh, I was <laughs> completely outside of the industry. Like I came from the fitness background and then going to that I mean, just between you and I, because this is a private conversation, the night before my first interview, I Googled, what does a financial advisor do? Like, I was so, <laughs> I had one, but I was like, I don't know. And, um, and, and I really, I, I really appreciate my manager back then that he, um, he said, I wanted an expert marketer. I can teach the financial services side, but mm. I can't teach marketing to a financial person, which had been attempted before. You know, it's just not part of their DNA and, and how they think. So yeah, um, we launched information flow only goes one direction. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is definitely true. Um, so I was there for a couple of years and then uh, I mean, we were part of the acquisition with Mass Mutual, uh, similar kind of role, launching their digital marketing program there. And the really cool thing that I, I'm really proud of in my career is the last five and a half years at, at LPL Financial um creating and, and and growing their marketing solutions program so think of that like an in-house digital marketing agency for financial advisors to outsource their marketing needs to wow that's super yeah. cool so basically yeah. you you are part of building an in-house shop and you guys mm -hmm. essentially service your portfolio of independent advisors yeah yep they would um they would hire our team of marketing solutions and 
we grew that from a pilot of 10 advisors in March of 2018 to last summer, I think there was more than 430 active advisors. And we're seeing how they grow and their feedback. And, you know, that's what really gets you going is, is seeing the results from what you're doing on their behalf. Yeah, that's really cool. So if I'm, I have a little bit of experience with the LPL model, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. when I worked for Keith Ferrazzi, I did some training for them. So I know you guys were the largest independent network of mm -hmm. FAs. Uh, generally, you would bring people over in the later stages of their career where they had built mm -hmm. a great book of business and they no longer needed maybe uh, some of the corporate structure of some of the bigger mm -hmm. brokerage and wirehouses. And they mm -hmm. wanted to essentially make more money by being independent, mm -hmm. uh, by taking their clients over with them somewhere else. So, um, you know, that's interesting because, you know, I think about the type of broker or the type of FA that would sign up with LPL. They mm -hmm. must have been pretty smart marketers, pretty savvy guys to have built their book over and even jump over to LPL. So mm -hmm. what 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 did what did the best FAs do from a marketing perspective as you know personal brands? It's it's interesting that you have that take because I um a lot of it just happens organically from uh you'll you'll hear them say 90% of my business comes from referrals. And it, it could be uh generational things like you know somebody that's um uh they, they've grown their wealth and then they're handing it down to their kids and then their kids get older so it could be something like that or you know there's nothing more powerful than i know a guy and you know you're mm. talking to a friend or coworker or whatever and, and a lot of it is referral marketing which is a big part of why the marketing solutions group existed at, at lpl financial was we're in a completely different age now like yeah, I would present in front of advisors and at a at a conference and say, "Who went out to dinner last night?" And they'd raise their hand and say, "What did you do before you picked your restaurant?" They're like, "Oh, I googled it." It's like sometimes I googled it standing outside the restaurant to look at reviews and <laughs> photos and menu. And I was like, "Yeah, that's where you're going to have like chicken parm, not who's going to help you retire, or who's going to send your kids to college." Like, you know, there's so much more to it than just I got a referral. So. Um, a lot of referral growth, um, but those in, that are heavy in the marketing side, I know we're going to get into social media later on, but like being active and present and um, overcoming any kind of um, like stereotype, I, I would say that in like a negative way of what a financial advisor does, get them to know, like, and trust you. And you can mm. do that through your website, through your social, through your email, like, and, and then ultimately getting them in front of you. Um, so those advisors that are being successful, I see them investing a lot into marketing, not looking at marketing as an expense, but as an investment. Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, it's funny, I, I get a fair amount of FA marketing, um, mm -hmm. either, you know, they somehow get my email, they scrape it off LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on the receiving side of a lot of people who've built large followings on social media. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of FAs that are cold calling influencers through email, expecting that if they're influential, they probably have a decent chunk mm -hmm. of money to manage. Um, most of those go in the trash, but um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I hired my FA uh, because I went through a situation with an IPO and I completely mm. had no idea what I was doing. And I ended up screwing it up pretty badly because I couldn't get the money out of the uh, stock certificate and into a brokerage house. And I had like a 
like an E-Trade account and nobody on customer service could help me. And I was like, okay, this is why you need like somebody that knows how to navigate that stuff. So I finally, uh-huh. you know, the ripe age of 42 learned my lesson. But um, what would you say to the typical millennial investor out there that is probably, you know, I'm at the, I'm at the top of the, of the spear and the millennial, you know, 42, I'm the oldest millennial possible. Um, you know, we're kind of getting into that uh, period of our life where we're looking to build wealth. But I feel like we also grew up in the digital age where we're like, oh, there's like all these apps to invest mm-hmm. and there's Robinhood and, you know, I'm smarter than, you know, some guy, some stock picker, like, feel like a lot of uh, millennials are, uh, you know, they think they can do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I've had some success, some, some failures, mm-hmm. but what do you think, uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge to uh, invest uh, or to marketing to millennials that are digital savvy that kind of came up in that era who maybe think that they can do it on their own or they don't trust like a sales guy? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I was, um, alluding to that, that stereotype and, mm. and in the lack of information, like even I was saying before my first interview at MetLife, Googling what a financial advisor does. And I think the stat is something like one out of three Americans has a financial advisor. And that doesn't line up with what our country's financial literacy level is. It's, it's pretty mm. low. And, um, so there, there's definitely a need for it, but as we've grown up in this internet age, and I'm, I'm just a little bit under you, but uh, still in that millennial era of, I'm just gonna Google things and, and get my own information. I don't want, I want to go find it. I don't want to be told it. And yeah. because um, financial advisors within our regulatory standards of what is allowed to be said or not allowed to be said, that, um, there's a lot of information out there that people that are maybe not experienced or licensed or certified are able to give that information. I mean, that, uh, that whole great phenomenon of a couple years ago. And, and, uh, cause I just watched on Netflix, watched, um, uh, the, about GameStop and it's like, yeah, you can just get on Reddit and, and figure out how to beat the markets. And I can go and do this myself. Um, that, you've got to be where they live. So those millennials, like not physically, but what do they do? Where do they behave? You're not going to do a late night infomercial. I mean, I haven't had cable TV in like 15 years. <laughs> um, so where are they? I'm on Instagram. I'm not really on Facebook much, but I'm on LinkedIn and you want to get out in front of them and position yourself of what are those pain points that that investor with that person, that millennial, whatever they're trying to do. I want to grow wealth. I've, I've got too much debt. Um, I need financial planning assistance. My parents are get older. I want to talk about estate planning. Like there's so much a financial advisor can help in this holistic approach that finding that right one is just, is so crucial. So that's where I think a lot of the business comes from referrals. But then once you get that referral, like my, my parents gave me their tax person. I was like, I, I need uh, a, got a unique situation. I need a new tax person. And I was like, dude, you guys have had the same one for like 15 years, right? They're like, oh yeah, we love him. He's phenomenal. He tells us about charitable giving and blah, blah, blah. He's great. It's like, okay, cool. What's his name? They're like, ah, it's like Dan or Doug or Todd. It's like, it's like, oh wow, you really love him. You don't even know his name. They send me, wow, they, wow. they send me his contact card through my iPhone and it says, uh, 
Doug Tax. I'm like, I don't think his last name is Tax. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I, I, to my parents, I, I want to do some research on this guy. Like, I'm not just going to call it. Who calls somebody? Like, I'm not a sociopath. I'm going to do some research on him first. And he missed out on my business before we even talked because, and once I finally found out his last name, he didn't have a website, no social media, no anything. I'm like, I'm not calling this guy. So then I moved on to a different referral, which I've been very happy with. So it's that same journey for wow. working with an advisor. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, so what do you think about, uh, you know, I feel like there's still a little bit of kind of that old school, mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, I, I don't like, again, I want to stay away this from the stereotypes because there are a lot of really amazing FAs mm -hmm. and I'll talk more about ones that I think do things that are really amazing. But the interesting dynamic about my marriage is, you know, I make the money and my wife invests it. Mm -hmm. And every time, every time we talk to a financial person, they spend a lot of time focusing on me. Oh. Even when I read, even when I redirect them to my wife, and I like, I tell mm -hmm. them straight up, I'm like, "Hey, I make the money, my wife manages it," and then they still come back mm -hmm. to me, and they don't understand the dynamic. Um, so, what can FAs do better about like thinking about marketing to females, um, but also thinking about like, you know, who's the quote unquote decision maker in the family? Yeah, yeah, that that is. Um hopefully that's dying out but that is a little bit common um and I, I cannot remember the stat um but it was about the the growing percentage of not only single women growing wealth but like your situation which you described is like they're the ones handling things either making financial decisions or managing budgets or whatever but it instantly goes to i'm gonna talk to him <laughs> um oh. so i it just like any other customer journey for whatever that you're selling, you're trying to get out in front of people is understanding what those pain points are and talking directly to that, that audience of whatever that they're trying to figure out. So it can be as subtle things as like what your imagery and copy that you're using on your website or whatever. And, and also finding that niche market. I, I've worked with advisors in the past where I do a, a intake meeting, like a strategy session learn more about them. What are your core values, your mission statement? And then let's talk about your target market. Who's your ideal person? And they're like, okay, this is going to blow your mind. I want to work with people who are going to retire. I'm like, oh, wow. That, that's <laughs> literally everybody. Like if that was a filter, like no results got eliminated. Like I think that's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, uh, you know, who Wrigley told me their target market was one time. Was that? Anybody with a mouth. There we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like not like you're going to turn away business, but you're going to know who your niche market is. That if it's um, uh, teachers in Chicago, like, oh, I'm, I'm a master at 403B plans or whatever it is. So just talking directly to them and breaking down that barrier so that and, and like going to those stereotypes of you want to know, like and trust them. So how can you overcome that in? Um, in anything digital. Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, I'm thinking about like the FAs that I've had good experiences with in recent times. Uh, the one that I ended up calling for help on that IPO situation who now mm -hmm. manages my portfolio or at least a part of it uh, was a guy I met through church, right? So it was like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we have this common association, you know, he's well-liked, he's kind of like a, 
you know, like almost like a kind of a gray hair mentor in a way to me. Uh, mm -hmm. But not not just financially, but more in like, you know, 360 life, you know, in a mm -hmm. way. Um, so I felt like he was a guy who had added value to me before he ever asked me for the business. Mm -hmm. And when that day came, when I needed help, I knew who to call. Um, another interesting one was a guy reached out to me um, who is in my fraternity, but we didn't go to the same school or anything like that. He was just like, hey, man, I'm a Sigma Chi. I'm coming out to San Diego. And I was like, cool, man. Uh, my wife manages the money and we already like we're all set. And he's like, nah, man, I don't want to, you know, I'll, I just want to invite you out to golf. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I'm like, yeah, I'll golf. And then, you know, he's a guy that I'm talking to about some other things now, too. So I feel like, uh, you know, that that's like, you know, what I call like um, like layers of influence. Right. Like the Sigma Chi mm -hmm. thing. Is this, there's a lot of Sigma Chi's out there, but it's at least a baseline. Um, where I'm like, okay, like this guy at least was measured to like a standard that I'm mm -hmm. familiar with and I can, you know, have some comfortability with that. I think actually, I think the number one guy at LPL is a Sigma Chi too. The guy from Texas, he's like totally like nondescript dude. Uh, he's mm -hmm. like a big, he's a big burly guy. You might know who I'm talking about. I just remember meeting him at that financial advisor summit that I did the training for and he, he like drove a pickup truck, not a super like flashy guy, but he was like the number one guy at LPL or something like that. Yeah. You, you've got to be authentic and yeah. whatever your personality is, like you're going to find other people that are going to latch onto that. I, I remember working at, um, at MetLife with one of our financial advisors that he wanted to make his entire LinkedIn profile about fly fishing mm. and he got clients off of that. Like you have some kind of common interest. If it's a fraternity, if it's a hobby, whatever that is, you can get in front of them. And you brought up a really great point too, of like that salesperson um, mentality of, I got this person's name. I know who Dylan is. I'm going to call him up and I want to set an appointment. Mm -hmm. But it's so much of that value add of just giving, be a giver yeah. first. Don't ask for something. Go, Hey Dylan, I saw that uh, you're an entrepreneur. Here's, you know, an ebook that I think that you should know about growing your wealth while being an entrepreneur or whatever that is, that's relatable to them. Um, and I think that you're going to see a bigger gain there. I heard, um, oh gosh, I, I, I can picture him. I cannot remember his name that I heard at a speaker or that I heard him speak at a conference years ago. And he said, it's kind of like on LinkedIn, you, um, you connect with somebody and they instantly start trying to sell you. He's like, <laughs> if we met in person, that's like me going to sh like stick out my hand for you to shake it. And you try kissing me on the mouth was like, Whoa, <laughs> we are moving way too quick here. Um, and, and so you've got to approach the same way of like, when you meet that new person, like you don't want to be like a laggard, like, Hey, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll follow up with them in a couple weeks, but being more natural with it, even though there's so much out there with automation and technology and everything, you still want to be a human as far as like timing and what you, what you tell them and just deliver that value first. Yeah, no, I really love that. So uh, I want to briefly uh, side tour to something you mm -hmm. said uh, prior. So you mentioned that you were in the fitness industry mm -hmm. before you got into the finance space. Um, and I noticed that you're also an avid CrossFit guy. Um, how much, uh, how important is exercise to you as a creative? Cause mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I believe that all marketers are creatives and, uh, you know, I just got done with a, I, I had to take a 35 minute run before I did this mm -hmm. interview just cause I had already woken up early and I needed the energy. 
So like, what does exercise do for you uh, for not only your creative process, but just how you stack your day? Mm -hmm. um, and, and thank you for bringing up CrossFit because we've been talking for 20 minutes and this is the longest I've ever gone without telling somebody that I do. <laughs> so I was starting to sweat. Like, I got to tell them, I got to tell them. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the two things that... Uh, there's a, I think there's a joke. Uh, if a vegan were in a room and a crossfit were in a room, who would say what they do, what they like to do first? <laughs> it's, it's unfortunately true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, it's, it's, that's another place. If I was an FA, I'd go, you know, network in the CrossFit community if that was something I was pumped for. I mean, you're onto something there. It's a close knit community. Um, I think my entire box like shared the same realtor and it was just like, Oh, you need to work with so-and-so like, it's just a good referral. And also, uh, it's not cheap. It's an affluent area. Um, yep. and you've got that common, um, just another thing in common with somebody. So yeah, I, I actually think that is a fantastic idea. Um, but for me personally, like just the same way that you talked about going on a run, it's, I used to go and work out at lunchtime because it would give me energy. It's like, okay, coffee in the morning gets me through the morning. And then I need to go do something. You know, get those endorphins, get the blood flowing. And when I work out at home, I often bring my laptop out in the garage with me. And I'm like, oh, I just had an idea for this. Let me let me pause my uh, my my Metcon that I'm doing and go, you know, track down and uh, document what this idea was. So it's crucial. It gives you that creative space. It's also like you kind of have to step away from everything to revisit it and, and just be re-energized. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you mentioned the like idea capture mm -hmm. because um, I was listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast and I love his podcast because he's so deliberate and mm -hmm. not just like bringing out the insights of like people's IP, but actually like bringing out the insights of their process. Mm -hmm. So uh, he talked in, an, in a recent episode, I forget who he was talking about, but he was like, yeah, man, like how do you idea capture? And like a particular person was using Asana and another guy used mm -hmm. Google notes and whatever. Um, like today when I was on my run in 35 minutes, I came up with two ideas mm -hmm. for what I think are gonna be pretty banger, like blog posts, LinkedIn posts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a company here in San Diego called ClickUp, and uh, I have no deal with them or anything like that. But I just find it like it's like a great app where I can it's like a great task management app where I can just pull it up, hit the button, either do a voice memo or type a little note. Mm -hmm. Because I, I'm I don't know about you, but I lose ideas if I don't. Get oh yeah. Them in, I, if I don't get them into a flow, like it, they they're like here today, gone tomorrow especially when I'm exercising, which is when I think I come up with some of my best ideas. So mm -hmm. thank you for talking about that process piece, because I think that's like a great point to hit home on. Yeah, that, that we use um, our team here, our marketing team, we use a, a virtual whiteboard. And when I was selecting that software application, one of them was I needed to be mobile friendly so that I can do that exact same thing. And we have one of our whiteboards um, that we use is called Ideas and Inspiration. Like if something hits you, if you see something or you think of something, throw it on there. Cause yeah, you're right. Like I, I can't tell you the amount of, I don't know if they're good ideas, ideas that I've had that just, they were in my head and then just floated out. So I want to get at it, you know, get it down somewhere or we use Slack and I'll say, Hey, uh, 
hey, Allison, don't need any action on this, but remember um, uh, movie credits. And then if you say that to me, I'll remember what my idea was. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, and you know what I love about that, uh, that digital whiteboard idea is it does two things. One, it encourages ideas to come from anywhere, yeah. regardless of seniority. Mm -hmm. So you as the CMO might come up with the idea or maybe like an intern might come up with an idea and everybody's kind of like the ideation process. And mm -hmm. uh, the, other, the other thing I love about it is it, pro it provides a forum for maybe team members that are less aggressive that might not say something in a meeting, but they're like, oh, like, dude, I can just pop up this app and hit yeah. a button that's a lot less intimidating than maybe, you know, being an aggressive person in a meeting. Yeah, that is so, so true that it gives that space. And like, oh, when I came in here last summer, I said, one of my leadership principles is I don't care whose idea it is, we're going to go with the best one. Um, I'll just take credit for it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, I want to encourage that. And, and really, th this is an odd, um, like translation, but um, uh, what's his name? Matt Schur, uh, from the office and parks and rec and, uh, the good place. And I listened to a podcast with him and he was talking about how like this, um, like I like joke bag of like, Oh, let's throw out, uh, all the things that humans would do when they lose their keys or something. And like, they're just like ripping things off and they're like, okay, we like this one, this one, this one. I was like, I want to have a space like that for us when we're having those creative sessions to go like, there's no bad ideas because that can be like the kernel of something bigger. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, it's all about the insight and you never know what's going to come from the insight. Yeah. Yeah. So don't be afraid if it, you think it's like a borderline idea because someone might go, oh yeah, and we can do this. And then you're getting to a great, like we did an awesome uh, fourth quarter campaign last year. And I think if I processed out like how we got from here to here to the, like the final product it was it was just really cool yeah no very cool all right so i want to get a little bit into iaa and lpl mm -hmm. so uh so you obviously jump ship after marketing with lpl for several years over to iaa um what mm -hmm. made you uh decide to make the leap what was the uh what was the attraction for the role yeah um so I, I guess it's a little bit of my odd personality that when I was um, meeting with a new hire recently, we were talking about career journey. I go, you know what I just realized? Every, the last five roles I've had have been brand new. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's I like making things from scratch, like just to make it harder. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know what it is, but um, that was one interesting thing to me was there was never a CMO seat here at Independent Advisor Alliance. Um, so that was one part. Uh, the other part was I have a, um, uh, a mentor in the industry um, outside of LPL that I was talking to and I shared more about like what I was thinking for my own journey and what, um, what I wanted to see and like be involved in. And he was saying like, it's not another, you know, large broker dealer or anything. I think that you would be best fit if you were in a CMO seat of an RIA. And the next day I got on LinkedIn and our CEO had posted a CMO role. And I was like, it's meant to be. Um, and I know because IAA and LPL are so close with each other. I've known a bunch of people here. I've known IAA. It's 
one of the most respected and largest uh, large enterprises out there. And it was a no brainer. Now, um, on that note, I saw shortly mm -hmm. after you arrived, LPL took a minority stake <laughs> in IAA. Was that a uh, was that uh, just kismet, or did that have a little bit to do? Did uh, any 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 brokering of that deal come on your side, or uh, or was that there that relationship already existed? <sighs> I would love to take credit for it, but no, I had no <laughs> no involvement. When I was actually when I was thinking about this earlier, I was like, oh, I'm going to make some kind of joke, like yeah, I came up with the idea, and then like I came over, I was like, wait, no, I'm like the throw in. It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm a big sports fan. It's like. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a first round draft pick, but you got to take this bad contract with you. Oh, I was like, man. oh, I'm the bad contract. I don't want to I don't want to make that analogy. But no, it was all coincidental. It was in the works for a long time. And, and uh, it's a really exciting endeavor to you know, further the partnership with LPL. That's cool. Well, uh, seems like it was good timing. So, <laughs> um, you know, you, you uh, you've been active on social talking about AI and uh, mm -hmm. I think you probably provide a unique opportunity to talk about AI because you're in a regulated mm -hmm. marketing field where, you know, mm -hmm. you are under more rules than the average marketer to uh, embrace these new technologies. Mm -hmm. So how are you seeing financial services marketers leverage AI? And uh, what are some of the things that you need to be wary of given that you're in a regulated uh, arena? Um. I, I'm so glad that you brought this up. When I, when I was doing our, um, we do a quarterly State of the Alliance video for our advisors and I gave a little bit um, like things that are on my watch list and my number one was AI this year. And it's something I've become very, very interested in and um, can share a little bit of that that journey is I use it more for idea generation, confirmation, and um, copywriting. I'm mm -hmm. not the greatest writer. Um, I can eventually figure it out, but there's ways to be more efficient. Um, but with like idea generation, um, we've got a new program that's rolling out. And I was like, I wanna get some ideas, like some inspiration to just go off of for you know naming this new solution and typed everything out. I was like, give me 10 names. And I was like, I took like, I think I got 10 of them and they all had, you know, three or four uh, word phrases. It's like, oh, I like that one and that one and that one. And I'm going to take that and combine them into something else. Or like, it was kind of like that, that, um, that uh, kernel of an idea to go from. Um, the other one is just validation. Like um, looking at uh, writing an agreement uh, to use our uh, paid services, like, Okay, what should we consider in our uh, in our agreement? It's like list out ten things. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, we got everything. Like just confirmation. Um, and then the last one is the copywriting, um, which I see as a big, big advantage, especially for financial advisors. But mm -hmm. here's where it gets into the learning part. Um, you've got to learn how to use it, especially like the name brand, like the Kleenex version, is just ChatGPT is yeah. what's your tone and your voice? Like, what do you want to be known as? Do you want it to be, I had one advisor years ago that I worked with that wanted everything to be very, you know, I've got my tie, I've got my leather bound books behind me. I want to write like that versus another person <laughs> that everything had emojis and exclamation points and, you know, started every sentence with so comma, you know, whatever. It was more 
casual, you've got to learn how to use it and give the prompts to be able to duplicate, to replicate what your tone and voice are. Um, so I've had big success with using text form of AI. Um, the other side of it with video and image creation, I haven't had that luck. Really, the only benefit we've had with it so far is um, we've had a lot of laughs in our Slack channel. Um, <laughs> it's like, how are they sitting on a chair with two legs? Or why do they have seven fingers? Or, you know, I, I know it's going to get figured out. Probably if somebody watches this later on this year, they're like, what is he talking about? You know, um, uh, whoever uh, you know, perfected it between Adobe, Meta, Amazon, like every huge company is getting really invested into AI. So it's not going away. So you've got to learn it. Don't be that laggard. You know, I'm sure there was somebody hundreds of years ago, like you use an umbrella, like, <laughs> like that's insane. And then it just, it's just accepted. That's just what you use. It's going to be the same thing with AI. It's not taking anyone's job, at least right now. It's actually helping us because like that creative brain space that we talked about, like go, outsource this like like tedious stuff to ai so that you can go focus over here yeah no i love that you know i was uh you know i'm always skeptical of like oh you know ai is going to take our jobs as sales mm -hmm. people and marketers um i i tend to be on the side uh that you're speaking of of is, is essentially ai is basically going to allow us to do things that used to be really annoying and painful and tedious right. and speed them up. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny you mentioned Adobe. They were a client of mine for seven years and uh, I got to attend Adobe Sneaks uh, every year, which is where they kind of showcase the things that are coming down the R&D pipeline. Mm -hmm. And whenever they showed something, half the room would like gasp because <laughs> it was like, oh my God, this is going to take my job away. Oh. <laughs> this is a you know, they'll do like content aware fill where it like takes like a telephone pole out of a video. And they're like, that's what I do for a living. I take telephone <laughs> poles out of videos. But when you can take when you can take telephone poles out of a video with a click of a button, then you can go and like actually make better lower thirds or design uh -huh. better transitions, you know, do better edits or do better color correcting, like the things that AI maybe can't do yet. And they probably can do all those things now, too, because it's been a minute since I worked on the account. But um, yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, it's, it's something that I think FAs should probably be aware of that I think would be really cool. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day about sales prep, and let's just call this meeting prep in general. Um, I'm not at the point where I'm willing to outsource my podcast prep because mm -hmm. I feel like reading and listening to podcasts and watching videos with guests like you ahead of time, I, I feel like I get to know you. Mm -hmm. And by the time I get on the screen with you, I feel a, a level of comfortability where the conversation is more natural. Mm -hmm. So I, I need that. I need to trick my brain into the, into the idea that I know you in order for me to have a <laughs> successful podcast. So I can't outsource that yet to AI, but what I could do as just a, another business development guy is if I have a meeting coming up with a new prospect, I can go into AI and say, Hey, tell me 10 things that I should know about this person mm -hmm. that are important. And uh, it's like their kids do this and they've been, you know, they like these nonprofits and they've been awarded these things. So then I've got a bunch of talking points that sounds like I went and did 10 hours of research when all I did mm -hmm. was hit an AI button. So um, I think that would be really powerful uh, for FAs, especially like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. you got a new person coming up, like you can accelerate, you can take a lot more meetings if you 
kind of outsource your meeting prep to AI. Yeah, it's going to be really cool to see how different, you know, I'm thinking about it from that marketing standpoint, but how other parts of the industry can be positively impacted of expediting or just taking out that tedious step, like removing the telephone poles. Um, I have to reach out to an old colleague that um, was on a graphic design team and uh, he didn't really talk a whole lot, but one day I was walking by and he looked a little stressed. I was like, how are you doing? And he was zoomed in on someone's teeth and he was whitening somebody's teeth. And he was like, I went to college for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe now you could just do that with a click of a button. Yeah, yep, I love it. <laughs> All right, cool. So I want to uh, I want to pop into you know my segment of the marketing channel real quick and get your take. So um, we as an agency we're really pivoting and leaning hard into B two B influencer marketing, mm -hmm. especially uh, with the idea that LinkedIn is becoming more of a social network this year than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn top voices. You've got uh, blue check LinkedIn influencers that are essentially verified folks from LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, but then you just have a bunch of other people that are building large audiences in and around particular subject matter on LinkedIn using modality like video, podcasts. This podcast right now is going out to my LinkedIn audience live. Um, what are your thoughts on leveraging LinkedIn as an influencer marketing platform and a social media platform? versus what it's maybe been traditionally, which is a place where your online resume lives or sales guys go across <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember that like 15 years ago, I was like, wait, what is this for? Like, you just wanna like brag about what certification you got or look for a job or something compared to what it is now, which I think is really exciting and picking up from those older, other social networks where if you think like influencer, it's more like TikTok and Instagram so how do we bring that to the professional world with, you can see their whole history of where they worked and, and who they're connected with and all that. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, I think that our industry, I think within financial services is a little bit behind the times there, but each person, each financial advisor can kind of be, become their own influencer as far as like thought leadership and education. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to, our earlier part of the conversation of um, delivering value before asking for anything. So it can be anything of um, uh, uh, 401k contribution limits have changed. Here's what it means for you and doing like a free webinar or something like that. And, and it, it's hard because you have to, it's like trying to like, if you've ever had a boss go, Hey, um, we have this thing and then we want to, can you make it go viral? Can you like click the viral button so that like everybody sees it and then like they're talking about it on the news, like whatever you do, like there's no science to it really. Um, it is how do you get that growth? And really it's just planting that seed and taking time there. There's people that have perfected it. I've seen a couple of advisors on Twitter that have like scheduled, um, uh, like real-time chats where they're asking questions to their audience and then they're, you know, retweeting. I'll still say reach. I don't even know what the word is now. Um, with, yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> Read sharing um, whatever kind of content that's out there is developing that network. And really it goes to consistency. Same thing with like the, the yeah. fitness stuff is like, I got to get the reps. In. Yeah. I, I can't go like, 
run one time and it's like, why do I not run a 530 mile? Like, this is so weird. I, I ran once or I ate a salad yesterday. Like, where's my six pack? It takes time. <laughs> so it, people yeah. are going to be able to involve, like to develop their own um, influencer network, but then it might be strategic partnerships of either some of those big players that are in the space of reputable vendors or whatever to either have like on a podcast or a video or some kind of co-branded thing. There's big opportunity out there. Have you seen anything successful in the financial industry when it comes to that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think you're right. I think the best FAs, like they do a splattering of like adding value and building credibility through thought leadership, but then they also add like a little personality to it to mm -hmm. where like, you know, it's funny you mentioned going viral and yeah, you know, I worked at a viral video agency before I worked at an influencer agency. And uh, I used to do a talk called make them cry, make them laugh or make them ask it. Is this real? Mm. And, uh, there is a formula for going viral and it doesn't, it's not a guarantee, but it does give you the best chance. Mm -hmm. And that's, can you make somebody laugh? Can you make somebody cry? And can you make them ask the question was what I just watched or was what I just read or was what I just experienced real? Mm -hmm. um, the real part I don't think would be applicable for the financial advisor. <laughs> space. I don't want anybody questioning the authenticity of the things that you're putting out. But I think the first two do apply. You know, can you make them laugh and can you make them cry? Um, somebody who I feel like does an incredibly good job in what I would call the financial world, maybe not financial services specifically, is Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. right? Um, he's a guy that basically teaches people to get out of debt, which is an amazing mm -hmm. um, opportunity to get out of debt like when you achieve that it's like you know i remember the day um i like i when i did dave ramsey i woke up one day and i was seventy five thousand dollars in debt and i was like i gotta i gotta fix this and uh you know one of the one of the things that i remember doing is i said you know what i'm not going to listen to cnbc i'm not going to read the wall street journal because i haven't earned the privilege to read any of these financial publications because i couldn't act on the information even if i wanted to mm -hmm. so i'm going to I'm going to not allow myself to listen to financial media until I get myself out of debt. Mm -hmm. And then that was like my, my gift to myself once I you know got through it. It's like, okay, now I can read these things and actually take action on it. But the other mm -hmm. part that Dave does is, you know, once people get out of debt, he invites them into their studio and they do like a debt-free scream or whatever in the studio. And that's an incredibly emotional, impactful moment in mm -hmm. that person's life. And uh, Dave Ramsey, you know, he, he partners with a network of financial advisors, but I think every financial advisor has the opportunity to tell those same stories with their clients. Some clients don't want to talk about, you know, their mm -hmm. personal journey, but if my FA helped me get out of a situation and helped me, you know, save up enough money to buy a boat or save up enough money to launch a business or mm -hmm. save up enough money to buy my dream Airbnb, if he was part of that story and he asked me, he's like, man, that's so cool. Can I like celebrate that, that to my audience? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, I would do that with him. You know, I would do a video or like take a picture with my FA in front of my new boat. <laughs> Be like, yeah, yeah, man, we, we got it done, you know? So, all those stories, I think that could be pretty impactful. Yeah, and there was a big shift last year with, um, you know, we're in a regulated industry, what we can say, where we can say it, 
um, is a, a change to the rules around testimonials and recommendations. Like mm-hmm. if you go on to uh, two years ago, if you went into an advisor's Google My Business page, uh, if they had reviews or stars, they were not compliant. Um, and now wow. as those rules have evolved, now you can share more of those. Um, there's certain things that you have to do. I don't know all of the rules there, but yeah, you can do a lot more of that. Um, like sharing of, of a, a client's story in your marketing and to your, your, uh, viral formula. That's definitely right. Like when I worked at MetLife, it was working with a lot of financial advisors, but they also worked on, um, in the insurance side. And I mean, insurance is hard because it's, it's all just fear tactics. It's what's going to happen to your yeah. family if you die tomorrow, which that, that brings so, on the, that, that brings on the tears. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that, that would be my advice. You know, obviously be, check with your uh, marketing department and make sure you're in compliance, mm-hmm. but you know, tell great stories with your clients and clients want to clients want, um, Clients want recognition when they achieve milestones. Mm-hmm. And if you can be part of that storytelling experience, that's powerful. That's that's the key word, storytelling. Not enough people use that. It's, we have this feature. I'm a financial planner. Like, actually tell me that story of what you do, what that pain point was and how you created that solution and then what they felt. Um, that can really pull at people. Yeah, no, I love it. All right, buddy, David, we're getting down to the final strokes here. Um, what are you most excited about the future with your role over at IAA? Oh, gosh, uh, so much. I mean, I, I came in here last summer. Uh, like I said, I was the first person to be in this kind of seat. So there's a huge opportunity. So it's really just prioritizing everything. But we have such a great team and resources like the LPL deal that you talked about and being able to then reinvest that capital into our advisors, either what we do or doing the similar kind of model of um, being able to give them some kind of capital boost. So if they need to hire somebody or new technology or whatever. Um, so that's going to be really taking off this year. But um, uh, on the the marketing side of it, we've got a huge opportunity for innovation. And where we're talking like technology and how we're working together, because part of my responsibility is making our brand visible so that more advisors join IAA. And then once they're here, making sure that they're informed about all of our amazing programs and services, because they're all small business owners and you know they're no longer a financial advisor. They're, they're now a small business owner and they have to worry about uh, uh, employee benefits to marketing, to operations, to asset management. That's what we exist for. So being able to share more of what we do to help advisors um, and our team. Uh, we've got a fantastic team of marketers here. They're all a bunch of Swiss army knives. Cause I mean, you know, this in marketing, like it's so wide between how you distribute content to like copywriting, to graphic design, to video, to also all of the suite of things that we offer. And I, I couldn't ask for a, uh, a better team here. And um, uh, I would say the thing that I'm most excited about is just getting all those things to work together. Our, our, brand, our mission statement, which we have, well, I can't even say we, it was all done before me. We we're just hitting 10 years now, but starting with our CEO all the way down of like how we act within the building, how we work with our advisors. And then my job is how do we get that out to everybody else? And I'm really excited for that opportunity. So this is going to be a huge year of growth for us 
that's what we're focused on. That was what the LPL deal was about to get that capital to do those things that we want to do and invest them in those right places to get more advisors in so we can help them out with their practice that can help their clients or just strengthening our brand overall. Yeah, I love it. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we sign off? Ooh, no, I think that's, uh, I think I've talked a lot. So I really appreciate the opportunity. This was really fun. This flew by. Yeah, totally, man. All right. Well, for all of you who are watching at home, uh, if you enjoyed our conversation today, David, don't forget to subscribe, follow wherever you're listening or watching this podcast. And if you give us a review, that actually helps us find a larger audience. And most importantly, if there is a marketer or an FA out there somewhere in your network who you think would benefit from the conversation that I had with David today, uh, don't forget to share the show. So thanks so much for coming on, David. Awesome. Glad to be here. All right. We'll see you next time. All right.